This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Africa, the largest continent in the world, the literal center of our world, the most powerful space landmass ever. And I had this wonderful conversation with a brother from Ghana. His name is Terry Kojo Apong, and he inspired me so much that I am planning a trip to Ghana this year, which is the 400th commemoration of the first enslaved people in this country, in the New World, in America. And what we talked about was not just the power of Africa, but the power of oneness, the, the power of us coming together as a, as a global community. We also talk tech. We talk tech and Nipsey Hussle and Idris, uh, Nipsey's partner. We talked about the ways in which we can move differently. And it was a powerful conversation that I had to break into two parts. So this is part one of my powerful conversation with Terry Kojo Apong. I hope you enjoy and follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Also, this podcast is brought to you by 100 Coconuts. 100, the number 100, coconuts.com, the most delicious coconut water you will ever sip. I promise you. And you don't have to believe me. Go to 100coconuts.com at checkout. Use my promo code Karen100, the number 100, and you'll get 10% off your first case. But I want to hear from you guys. Hashtag me on Twitter. Hashtag podcast, too, if you want to ask me any questions. Uh, I will answer one or two on Twitter on Sunday. But I hope you enjoyed this interview that I did with Kojo Apong. And don't forget 100coconuts.com, promo code Karen100. All right. So this gentleman um, hails from the great continent of Africa, which is five times larger than we've been made to understand what the size is. It's actually the center of the universe. Yeah. All right. At least the center of this world, Africa is. And uh, any map that shows it less than is a is a lie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so he's an international curator. We'll find out what that means. Cultural strategist. I need to know what that means as well. And uh, he's traveling around the world. He's a mogul. Actually, you can follow him at Global Mogul, T-O. Let me welcome T-O, Terry Opong. O-P-P-O-N-G. Okay. Is that how you say Opong. What does Opong mean? Opong, I'm still finding out. I know in Akan, Opong means it is finished. So I'm sure there's some semblance there. It's interesting you bring that up because I recently connected with a brother out of Atlanta. He's from Ghana went to HBCU and he was educating me how, you know, all the names that I know in terms of day names, there's an actual meaning behind them. So his name is Kwabana. And so he explained to the group of people that were there what the name means. And so similar to like Nigerians, people laugh at how lengthy their names are, but a lot of times that means something. Right. You know, your first name is Kojo. And yeah, that means what? Born on Saturday? It means born, male, a male born on mon- Monday. Monday, Kojo. Kobe yeah. is Friday? Uh, Kobe, no, Kobe is yeah, Friday, Saturday. Saturday, okay. Because there, there's a, Friday. yeah. Ah. Okay, you know what? It, 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 names matter. You know, the, the, the name that you have, it, it is very important. It, it, it carries you through your life because there's a spirit attached to that mm-hmm. name, right? Definitely. So, Definitely. were you born in Ghana? Yeah, I was born in Ghana. Uh, I left when I was one. Okay, so you don't remember. But no, you've been no. back. I've been back recently. So you recently. spent your, your formative years in America? No, nah, so I, I was raised in Botswana. So what? Botswana's like okay. Canada to South Africa. 
You feel me? Like Canada is the north of the U.S., right. so Botswana is the north of South Africa. It's a land Swaziland is that? Swaziland is in South Africa. Okay, it's but like Botswana is. Was north. it called something else in the '60s and the '50s? Uh, Botswana land. Okay. So there's a movie about how you know Botswana is known for diamonds. So fellas, a lot of the rings y'all get y'all ladies comes from Botswana, because the beers has a huge operations out the there. The beers. Yeah. So that's where you find a lot of diamonds. What do we do with this colonization? You know, so so we're we're struggling. <laughs> Yeah. And when I say we, I am, I'm struggling every day to, to to make sense. I started off the show talking about this brutality that we are confronted with, that uh, the inhumane way in which black folk are treated in this country, and it is pervasive. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, it's not, you know, I know people want to say not all cops and not all, no, no, we're going to say all cops because anybody that's silently watching what's going on mm-hmm. is complicit. Mm-hmm. Silence is acquiescence. You're part of the problem. If you're not whistleblowing on your mm-hmm. fellow officers who are out there brutalizing black people, black Mm-hmm. bodies you're part of the problem my question is do do people know the history behind like the establishment of the police system even our, our listeners do because we okay. talk quite quite frequently okay. about the patty rollers and, and the fugitive slave law and then how Thank policing you. started in mm-hmm. this country we talk about this probably not as frequently as we need to mm-hmm. but then i also question you know to to keep having these narratives that are rooted in slavery mm-hmm. it also puts us in a space of helplessness and hopelessness because you know as we talked about yesterday our history starts way before slavery that's just a 400 year blip in our thousands of years on this earth where there we, we created an event and I say we because it's in our DNA. Mm-hmm. All the creations from math to science, we talk about the Pyramid of Giza mm-hmm. and all of these things that are still existing to this day, mm-hmm. autopsies and aqueducts. and That's us. Yeah. That's us. No, now, I, I agree a thousand percent. So, so I'm trying to figure out, even Africans, my African brothers and sisters, come here with a level of colonization, of, of feeling other than, you know, not, not having a connection to the black American mm-hmm. because you've been conditioned in a quite, in a similar way, yeah. but but differently, mm-hmm. but indoctrinated all the same. All the same. I mean, I went to a school ran by American missionaries in Botswana, right, using books from Pensacola University. So even my professors were white. So even there, we didn't. Even, I didn't know what white meant. And you hear that a lot with people that come over here. I just knew they're from America. You know, I had friends from Zambia. I had, you know, students from Tunisia. So I knew them based off of the ethnicity, right? This person's from this country. Then I came here and, oh, you're black, right? Then it becomes a terminology. And over there, you're conditioned, especially in Ghana now, it's what you said, right? So it's not, there's a bigger, you know, financial ecosystem that you get, but then it's people like, you know, a lot of Lebanese, right? Or Indian, or now the Chinese. So you see that a lot in Ghana. You see that a lot across Africa. You see that a lot globally what do you make of because china's investing billions and billions of dollars into africa mm-hmm. and and they're building stadiums and they're building infrastructure and they're building roads and schools and they're building mm-hmm. they're building they're building but they're also taking and taking and taking and they're coming and they're they're colonizing in quite a different way you mm-hmm. know there's a there's some miscegenation because mm-hmm. there's not enough women in china so they're coming to africa and they're having yes yes people don't know this right no, well, what's their end game because they have a thousand-year um, plan. Uh, the end game is history. You know, I think to, what I've learned, or had to learn. So I went back to Ghana for the first time, 2013, as an adult. So I had to go with this, you know, pre- preconceived notions that I built up by literally becoming an African-American. So living in the system, I mean, having run-ins with cops at 16, you know, they, they accuse okay, you. Okay, well, back up because I'm missing something. So Botswana. So I left is- Botswana at nine. Oh, okay. Came okay. to the U.S., lived in Orange, New Jersey. Oh, my birthplace. There we go. So 
Uh, went to Central. Central, Central High? Central, no, Central Elementary, right there. Oh, okay, right. What, what street is that? That's right off of uh, Day Street. Okay, all right, that's on the other side of town. Yeah, so where did you okay. I grew up in East Orange, okay, so I yeah, didn't yeah. grow up in Orange. I was born in Orange Memorial, which is now yeah. abandoned. Yes. Um, so I didn't grow up of... in Orange, so I I know Orange, okay. but I don't. I didn't grow up, because it's a small town. Tiny you know, town. Very and tiny. So, uh, so that was pretty much that. Then we moved to Union. Then essentially that's when you... I mean, for me, it was the first time I went from all black people, 98% uh, suburban, you know, schools where you literally have a white cafeteria and a black cafeteria. That's what it's called. They uh, called it that? That's what we called it. The students, oh, okay. officially, they can't call it that. Right, right. And I was like, that's saw, crazy. But that's what happens. You so know? what happened in your household that you were able to move on up like the Jeffersons? I move on up. <laughs> I just, I definitely cherish my parents, my mother and my father. Uh, very strong faith. I think globally, that's where you find is the connection point for black people everywhere. Their faith. What happened economically that you were able to move from Orange, which is not the worst yeah, hood in so the world, but you know, to for, for us, it's been you know, my, just coming to to terms with that. What I just said is, it's my parents' faith, and so they've literally held on to that and it's helped them economically. And so, not going to go into much of spirituality, but that's helped them. Why so, not? If you're comfortable with it, I can. I'm not uncomfortable with anything. There this is the go. Karen Hunter show. That's we talk what about I talk everything. About. And so, you know, my dad, as I've become older, turning 30, I've started to realize a lot of trends in the terms of just the way money moves and to your point, the bigger picture of how black people, uh, you know, our relationship to money, right? And so what happened growing up was I saw how my parents, my mother and my dad would follow these principles about tithing and things like that, which I, to me didn't make any sense at all. How do you still, give ten percent to the church? Yeah, and that, you know that means money in your it pocket. It means nothing. But right. what I've just seen again, my personal random, crazy, probably spooky experience that it works, and I've seen it happen to me. So I've tested even the stories my dad tells me about being on the plane to Botswana, not even having a, a place to stay, and randomly he meets a pastor and he has a room. Like so, growing up, you see that in effect in his life, and so we went from orange. Um, when they first moved here, typically what happens is it's a shock, right? So he went from having a good-paying job, traveling globally, to working in the fish market, ultimately becoming a customer service rep. Um, you know, just so his kids could have something to do. My mom, she works at, she had to work at night just so someone would be home with us. Because, uh, again, they heard all these crazy stories about kids going crazy if they didn't grow up with their parents. So then she would work as a nursing aide, taking a bus two hours, you know, to go, you know, wipe somebody's ass. So her kids could literally go to school. So you see that growing up and you hold on to those things, those 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 beliefs. And now what I've noticed is when we moved from Orange to Union, those beliefs carried over. And so in Union, that also held the family together as well. Right. So for me, I go out to the world, right, graduate from Union High School, go to college. And what, it, school, what college? Uh, well, Trenton State was the former name. T State, a right. teacher's college is right. now called the College of New Jersey. Um, and so there I joined a fraternity, pleasure fraternity. Which uh, one? Uh, PBS, Phi Beta Sigma. Okay. Because Kwame Nkrumah pledged Phi Beta Sigma when he was Kwame in the Kwame Nkrumah, who was the, the revolutionary leader of Ghana. Correct. And so while he was in the States, you know, he went to Lincoln, first HBCU. And he then he also was in Harlem for a lot of time. You know, he was broke, so he had to sleep on couches, wash dishes. And he really got connected to the culture. You know, he'd be out there in Harlem listening to preachers. You know, he became friends with Martin Luther King, who looked up to him and even talked about him, became friends with Malcolm X. So he just knew a lot of people. So when it was time after everything was said and done, if you read the book, 
on Ghana's Independence Day in uh, Independence Celebration, there were 100 Americans, right? So Adam Clayton Powell, you know, A. Philip Randolph, uh, Martin Luther King, you know, 27 years old in Africa with his wife, and Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. Tell that story. So they were all in Ghana to basically witness Ghana become a nation. And it was colonized by the Great British. Britain. So right. to your point on the history and how the colonization effect is the same for us there too, um, what you see is that, you know, after that happens, you know, there's a very famous recount by Martin Luther King himself. It's called The speech is called The Birth of a New Nation. Right. So he gave it a month after he got back to the States. And he talks about his time in Africa and how Ghana inspired who he became. Right. So he talks about how he broke down into tears. I mean, because he was 27 years old in Africa. Right. Seeing the British flag come down and then, you know, a bunch of black people, Africans, Ghanaians get their freedom. At the same time in the U.S., you still can't even drink from the same water fountains. Right. So that puts a different perspective um, into you. And you notice that when he came back to the States from 57 going, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. Right. And he attributes that to going to Ghana. And I've seen that in my life going back. I've seen that in a bunch of friends of mine. A lot of celebrities that were in Ghana this Christmas. So like Tony, Tony, Tony uh, were out there as well. Because this is the uh, 400th anniversary or commemoration of the first enslaved Correct. people touching soil here. Bingo. And Ghana has a big come on back home movement That's this it. year. Um, which I oh, I just would love to, to not, not that I can't, but I'm probably going to go next year. Oh, this is yeah, yeah. just the string. And so it's funny because Ghana is, well, Tema in Ghana is the closest geographic point on earth you can get to zero, zero, which is where you mentioned the prime meridian closest to the equation. So Tema is literally the center of the earth. So Ghana is I know this. the center of the earth. What? And I'm not going to, this is a rhetorical question. Mm -hmm. When you think about, um, you know, the hunter and the lion and the hunter writing the story, you, you know, you of course are going to diminish the thing that you're most afraid of, you know, conquering you the thing that you know will will conquer you gonna make sure that it never knows it's how powerful history. it is right yeah. but it's in plain sight you know now we have google maps yeah. you can look and see down and see how huge china can fit in africa china yeah. india i have a t-shirt yeah. that i have the on the global majority.com every yeah. russia china india United States, South America, South, can all fit into Africa. Yeah. That's how huge it is, right? Yeah. And to not know that, to not understand all of the resources, mm -hmm. diamonds, lumber, yeah. gold, lobster, lobster. Pretty much a lot of things. So that's what, from, you know, this 2019 is just the kickoff point. So what you find that after the effects of, you know, European colonization in Africa is the same thing that happens there here. So you show up. Yeah, you're in Africa, you're in Ghana, but you still notice that they treat white people better, right? It's just the way it is. Um, and it kind of hurts, but then the beauty or the effect of it is most people look like you anyway. So you, you do experience that. It's just not as pronounced as, right. as it is here. Ben talks about getting off a plane, um, and it impacted him to the point because the N-word, he even had a um, an album. That mm -hmm. N-word is crazy. But he said he got off the plane and he didn't see any N-words. And he looked around and... Every place you, you know, in leadership and yeah. every place you went, all you saw black yeah. doctors, lawyers, That's whatever, it. just people. And, people. and it changed his whole perspective because to see yourself as what you really are and to walk into that. It's crazy. It's so freeing. But I, I need yeah. everyone to be free because it's yeah. killing us to not have more people understand that I can't look at you and call you mm -hmm. anything other than brother mm -hmm. or king or 
you know, yeah. I can't look at you and say, what's up, you know, Definitely. family, you know, and every time we diminish ourselves out of our mouths, mm-hmm. we diminish all of us and mm-hmm. we don't even know the power of that. Our you know, words. so, yeah. so I want to talk to you about economy. We're talking with Terry Opung, O-P-P. Terry Opung, OPP, Kojo, Kojo. Um, and, and how do we, cause this is the thing they're really afraid of. Okay. They powers that be, and mm-hmm. they know, you know who I'm talking about. Um, is the the globalization of us? I call us the global majority. I don't mm. separate. I don't go. You, yeah. You're African. Nah, you're this. You're that. No. Well, wherever you are with melanin, there you're a part go. of what we do. And minority, as y'all know already, is just a, it's a political term, right? Just like white and black. There we go. Uh, so we're the global majority. Mm-hmm. The strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Not only are we the global majority, we also as a community spend. We consume one point three. Some say three trillion. Depends. Yeah. I think we spend like a, a trillion alone yeah. in the hair care industry, and you know, that's, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying, hair care and, yeah. and lotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, skincare and hair care. But I'm saying that if if we consume, that means that we also are the are the the supporters of industry, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because without our consumption, mm-hmm. there's no industry. Mm-hmm. Without our eyeballs and algorithms, there are no media companies because go. we disproportionately watch television and movies. So, so how do we how do we exact that power and that control and all of that value mm. and put it back into our community Definitely. globally? Because even globally, I look at Ghana and Nigeria. Nigeria has two of the wealthiest black people in the world. Period. All right, Robert Smith is the third richest black man in yeah. the world. The other two, Dangote. That I, brother is. Oh, what do you know about him? And right. I just, I'm just, I'm just I mean, studying it's, him it's, now. It's, it's he's 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 that dude. It's, that's that's who he is. Concrete. Like, that brother is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of historical, you know, right. aspects. Generationally, it. yeah, he is. it comes from generations yeah. of you know what it is. But that's everywhere, right? A lot of money in the U.S. There's questions behind it. It's about what you do with it. You know, Rockefellers, you question that, right? But look at them now. They have a huge foundation. They give to people. So you don't really question anymore. So. I know that's been the topic on a lot of our minds is how do you mobilize the economies, right? You think about, you know, rest in peace, Nip. So for me, it starts with a young brother named Idris Sandu. Um, so Idris, shout out to Idris. I met him when he was 20 in L.A. Um, so Spell he, his last name? S-A-N, like sand, ooh, U. So like a sand dune, like he's right. a force, you know? So... Um, he's born and gone to move out to LA. And so I met him through a friend, Ugo. And so I say that to say, so Idris is behind the marathon store. So Nipsey's store, the smart store, that's Idris's technology. So he, you know, he has an interview on Hot 97. He talks about how they met at a Starbucks. And long story short, he's going to Ghana in June. So what happened to me was that when I went to Ghana, I realized that there's a lot of opportunity financially that a lot of us here don't realize. So you want to really put people on. It starts with consumption of things that we own. So even, for example, something like an Instagram, um, you don't own your audience, right? So therefore, you have a billion followers, 100 million followers, 23 million. You don't own that audience. If they delete you, you're done. Then you have to go back and scream and you know do petitions to get your audience back. Facebook, Twitter. So if you don't own that, but our culture is what literally they base their apps on. So you're building apps based off of us because culturally we are going to make this cool but then we don't share in any of that profit right until recently you're seeing b and a lot of people other than b have been doing it but she's just the biggest person that's known to do it where she's getting paid in equity right beyonce beyonce excuse yeah, my you french may know people her that, 
You may know her personally as a I B, don't, but don't. Let me rephrase. No disrespect. <laughs> I just, you know, this is the Beehive whole phenom, so I figured listeners know who, she, who the queen is. Um, and so with that said, it's about that to me because technology is the future. And so how do we start to own globally is you need to own the future. And the future is technology. And you need to start creating things that you know we make it cool. We make the dollars flow, the cents flow beyond it. Because if you look at all the major ad spend and this even the influence of partnerships and deals that are done and even just the culture itself, that is what powers technology. Right. Right. And so Idris is working on some some really cool stuff and has a really big vision. So I'm just plugging him so y'all can really follow this what young brother. What was the smart store? So the smart store concept with Nip was that the biggest problem with streaming is streaming, right? So how can an artist really control their music? How do you become a because Nip? Because if the satellite is down or if the... Just a bunch the of different... Is da- just, like if the te- technology is slow or if there's net neutrality, you know, it's like... Exactly. How do, how do I empower myself if go. I can't control the outlet there you or go. the distribution channel? Period. Period. And so, so how do we control the distribution channel? And so, the value of the stream. Amen, brother. So what they did was he geofenced, and I'm not into tech like that, but what Idris did was he geofenced the music to the store. So if you're in that store. You play the music based off of using the phone to interact with certain aspects in the store. So if you move the phone over the shirt, a video might pop up and you watch a video. Or if you go over here to the sneaker and you put the phone over the sneaker, you see a documentary, right? And then when you leave the store, it shuts down. You can't access this anymore. So you had to come to the you store to, to get come. the experience. There you go. So that This was the beginning the... of what they were creating is a cultural operating system based off of... Let me of, tell you why that's crazy. That's what they were doing. So rest in peace, Nip, because that's what they were starting but and are starting. Idris is still around. Idris is 22 and he's kicking. He's 22. Is he a, is he a coder? Does he code? Is he he's, a tech genius? He's, he basically sold algorithms to Uber, okay. Instagram, Stop. and Snapchat. Stop talking for a second. I'm, I'm going to fall back. You got no, me no, excited. No, don't fall back. You just got me excited. You That's got why me I excited. To, my okay. brain is working. I see. So here's what I'm out. So, okay. so we're in a place, and this this is not, not germane to us, where mm-hmm. we are disconnected from one another. Mm-hmm. The technology has made us disconnected. We're mm-hmm. in our phones. We text. We do. We don't talk. We don't communicate. We don't. We don't vibe with one another. That vibe is spiritual. It is. All right. We need touch, skin touch. Need we it. need to look in each other's mm-hmm. eyes. We need the breath to be exchanged. Mm-hmm. We need. This is our life force. Mm-hmm. And the technology has literally cut that off, which means that our creativity, our ability to create. Mm-hmm. When I was watching, I was watching a Wu-Tang Clan um, documentary on Showtime. Mm. The power of that, if you watch it, those brothers were always around each other. And the group got bigger exactly. and bigger. And they were commu- they were together, right? Clan. And they had their notepads. And they were a clan. clan. And it was it was kinetic and it was magnetic and it was energetic. It was all of that. Mm-hmm. But they were always together Energy. on stage. And it just yeah. it just fed. It fed. And we don't do that anymore. It's all digital. And it's a false kind of, it's like, it's almost like um. It's hard to have a uh, it's hard to have a group of two people, right? Like literally these days to have a boy band group or what you don't see that anymore, right? The energy is not it's literally we used to just one act. Right. Right, it's just one right. act. And we need this. So what what Nipsey and them, what Idris and Nipsey were doing forcing what they people, are doing what they are doing because mm-hmm. he's even though he's passed away this you this, can't kill. You can't kill bringing people into a situation mm. to have community. Mm. Because the only way you get this is to be there physically, right? Yes, I don't know if they knew that they were doing that, but I have to imagine that they were. They and you, I'll send you some videos of that. Literally, there was a show that you know Nip even missed 
because he had to basically do something with Idris. That's how they rolled, right? Because he saw in Idris what, and when he was 19, you know, he talked about going back to Eritrea and what that did to him. So this, this, this brother that was known to be a crip ends his life as a prophet pretty much to us, right? Where he was prophesying the gospel of ownership, right? Owning your, owning you first, and then that extending to everything else. So owning your neighborhood, right? The real estate. And that's where technology, it's like you said, it's everywhere. Now it's, in, you're talking about cars will be driving themselves now, right? That's technology. And now you talk about the bias in the AI, Right. And it's not the bias in the AI. It's what Idris talks about. If the Constitution is biased, it's not the Constitution. It's the person that wrote it. And the bias gets Or how into it's that. applied. There you go. So or the even, people that interpret it. There you go. So even with tech, the person that writes the code, literally, they may just inadvertently write bias and machines learn that. Right. So now you have a machine that's biased and it can't see certain certain pigmentations. And now this thing's driving itself at I mean, there's so many things that could happen. If and go more wrong. Of, and <laughs> right. If more of us, A, don't create our own. Right. Or, you know, ecosystems that we all exist in, like which you see the Asians have done beautifully. I saw Crazy Rich Asians. It's a really dope movie. It is. The Not, book is better. The book is better. Yeah. But the it books. shows right. what has happened to Singapore, right? And so what you have happened... And I'll just tell you a quick story that really changed my perspective when I went back to Ghana. Because I asked all these questions when I was there about, wow, I understand, you know, me as an African-American better in the U.S. by going there. Because I understand what's happening. All right, I'm going to do a cliffhanger. People have to tune in to hear the rest of this. That was my interview with Kojo Apong, Terry Kojo Apong. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Stay tuned for part two. Till next time.